Hello and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. I am Steven and with me as always is Brandon J. Flippin aka Flippin Gaming and we got another special guest here. Bailey makes videos. She's a videographer who works on a reality show, and her viral videos have led to over 45 million views. 45 million views uh, on her YouTube channel. So, uh, Bailey, we've known you for two or three years now. How's it going? Going pretty good. I'm uh, hanging out with you guys on your podcast, and I met you guys via YouTube, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> That is cool, and I'm. I feel like we need another board game night coming up. I think it's due. Uh yeah, I actually really agree with that board game night thing because I'm always trying to play board games, but we're just we can't get the crew. You know what? I want everybody to know Bailey is sneaky good at card games. Okay, we played that one <laughs> where she had to. What was that game? You had to be like the mole or something, oh, and you were like the mole yeah. every single time. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The undercover, I don't know, the something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's sneaky. <laughs> she's sneaky. That's what you got to know. She's sneaky good. I totally forgot about that game. Yeah. yeah. Bailey, the thing, you'll, one of the things you'll learn about Bailey, and we'll talk about it more, is she kind of uh, likes the behind the scenes part of the content creation process, but she's a really good actor. That's what we learned about her because we could never guess. That she was always the uh, the guilty one or the innocent. One. I forget how that game works. I exactly. think it was like you. It was guilty. It was guilty. I think. Yeah, it was like somebody was lying about the card they had or something, and you had to guess which one was. And I never guessed Bailey, but it was always Bailey. Yeah, it was actually <laughs> unbelievable. Like I feel like I can read people pretty well, but I can't read Bailey. And uh, she's she's a woman of mystery sometimes. <laughs> so in terms of the things we're going to be talking about on today's episode, other than board games, we're going to be talking about um, learning how to create content on your own, prioritization of different projects, creating content when you're not the star. And then, like always, we'll end with our world-famous game, Movie Critics Must Go. Emphasis on the word world. It is world famous. People all over the globe know about this game and are huge fans of it. Oh, yeah. I, ch I checked the analytics. You checked the analytics? Yeah. Bailey, you've definitely heard of this game, right? Movie critics must go. You've heard no. the rumblings? Are you serious? It's the biggest game in the Philippines. <laughs> Three years running. What the heck, Bailey? <laughs> wow. A bit of a surprise, but it is what it is. So... uh. A lot of people may not know Bailey. This may be the, your first experience. So let's let's take it all the way back to the beginning of Bailey. Um, how did you first get introduced to making videos? Um, I mean, I guess technically my my brother he he liked making videos, and he was older than me. So and he went to college first, and he he um also had um, a television arts major just like I did so kind of um, just being around him growing up and um, I got into cameras because he had an extra camera laying around and I kind of started making my own videos um, just because I had a camera and they were really bad videos and <laughs> um, a lot of them are privatized or deleted off YouTube by now because those really sucked. Um, but now I try to make better videos. I mean, they still kind of suck in a way, but like in a better way. Um, so 
yeah, just having an interest for making videos and, um, but also like access to a camera. I think that was like a big thing, um, like having access to my brother's camera and then going to school and having access to a camera. So, yeah. <laughs> and it seems like just from knowing you, you like to make a lot of, um, goofy videos like we did uh we'll talk about this more i think later on but cutthroat kitchen which was just a wild and crazy experience and and the concepts that you came up with for that parody of it were were very funny and goofy was that something when you first started were you always kind of making videos that had that goofy vibe to it or what what did you start making yeah the comedy stuff was always what i leaned towards and what i still lean towards now Mm -hmm. um the the yeah music video parodies and the comedy skits uh those are my favorites i want to get into the skit parodies more like the the cutthroat kitchen one but maybe more like a little bit relevant stuff that one i just had all sorts of crazy ideas for so like i don't really know what that was about i was just like i want to make this so (laughs) um there was that one (laughs) there'll be other ones that are like what's this i don't know um but yeah i have i more stuff i want to make but it's usually comedy um, I do think I could get into the like horror genre a little bit. Like, I think it would be really cool to make like a scary movie at some point, but like a scary movie with like a little bit of comedy in it, not like a lot of comedy, like a slice of comedy, but really solid comedy every time it's like happening. Yeah, so, That's yeah I don't know. Like, those are the genres I'm interested in. But yeah, you basically said it with comedy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can definitely get that vibe, and I'm sure you can. With the, we had such a blast with Cutthroat Kitchen. It was it was so much fun. Yeah, and it, it's interesting comedy specifically because, like, for me, one of the reasons why I first started doing comedy centered videos was like, oh, if they were bad, I could always be like, well, like, bad is kind of funny, right? <laughs> like, if it's really bad, like, if I'm trying to make something that's like really serious, and I, it's not like it's just funny. It's like I completely just missed the boat on it. So. Yeah, there is a quality to something being so bad that it's funny. Like, there is an art to doing that as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think I mean, we've, uh, you know, listening to, uh, for those of you who don't know, Bailey was the, a guest on the uh, first episode of the Super Millennial Show with Steven. And one of the things that you talked about was uh, don't go to school for this stuff. And so I I wanted to ask you, like, do you think, I mean, you kind of talked about it on that show, but could you talk to us about, do you think that you could have done what you do now without going to school? Do you wish you didn't go to school for it? Like, how would you have learned the skills you needed to do what you do? Yeah, I think I could have learned the skills to do, to make videos. um, Because I mean, honestly, just going on YouTube, you can learn how to do it. Like, and if you just buy a camera that's decent, you can teach, like you can learn how to do it. So yeah, I don't, I don't think you need to go to school necessarily to be a videographer or photographer. Um, I think it's kind of nice to like go off in your own route sort of like with both of those things. So yeah, um, school's not necessary maybe for that, um, in my opinion, but what was your takeaway from being in school? Like, what are the things that you, that you think that were valuable about that experience? Um, going to school, what was valuable was, um, access to equipment. Um, and, um, we had a class that was basically like a newsroom studio. So we got like some hands-on experience with that. Um, 
Yeah, there was just um, some pretty cool classes. And um, there's definitely, like, some little things that I, I still do. Like, for instance, like, there's a certain way to coil your cable called the under-over method. And I learned that in my class. And I still coil my cables that way. And you can, like, you know, throw the cable out and, like, it's not supposed to tangle. And it's like, ah, oh, that's the way you're supposed to do it in the industry. I don't know. So, like, there's, like, certain things like that, like, that I yeah. took away and can remember. Um, but honestly, like, um, college, like, uh, the reason to go to college, like, I mean, I loved the social aspect of it. So um, that was like, definitely like the pro. But yeah, in order, like, work wise, or like, you know, shooting um, for photo video stuff, I don't necessarily think you need to go. Gotcha. <laughs> Be successful or just to even just try to try it. <laughs> right. Do yeah. you still work with any of the people you went to school with? Like, are you in close relation to any of them? Like, any of those relationships, have they carried on into your professional life? Um, not really anybody that was in my major. Um, yeah, there's not too many people that was, like, in my major that I still am in contact with and or have worked with. So, yeah, not not really. I'm sorry, there's probably like weird sounds you're, you might be hearing. There's like, you know, there's like toilets flushing and stuff like that. No. Like, you can't see it. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm in like, you know, the Virgin Islands. Uh, you know, I'm green screen. Yeah, I was going to say, you can green screen then, put whatever you want back there. Yeah, I was like, I need to make it look like I'm not in a basement. So, so yeah. Basement? I heard Hawaii. What the heck? I just assumed it was why. Yeah, yeah, can't you see? <laughs> Palm trees. Wow. Okay, so on on this topic of going to school, I mean, I I I connect with this because like when I went to school, there was access to things, which was kind of nice. That that's sort of what sparked my curiosity on creating my own content. But in terms of advice for people who are wanting to create content. Uh, versus like getting started with it or, or going to school. What are some of the things you think that people should consider between like, should spending the money to go to school for it or just going out there and and making their own content? Like if they have to pick one or the other. Yeah. How how could someone make that determination on which way that they should go specifically? Um, I think they should decide um, whether they want to, um, be like a freelancer in the industry and kind of work for themselves or do their own thing or if they want to work like in production or with a production company and um, like work your way up that way by um, taking on bigger jobs and you know moving to bigger cities and doing that so um, I think that there's value in going to school um, probably because you can build connections with the people that you know like I feel like my professors always kind of made it seem like they knew a lot of people and like, Oh, you're going to move out here. I can call so-and-so or like whatever. So like, Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe that's good. (laughs) Yeah. I actually agree with that one a lot because there, there is some stuff. For example, I got to go when I was, I studied journalism. That was like my major. So I got to go to some TV stations and there was, there was definitely some connections to things and exposure to some things that I would have not been able to see on my own. Yeah. Well, and to your point, too, about like doing the freelancing or like working with a a media company type thing, I think that's comparable to the music industry. Like you can you can choose to try to do everything independently, 
um, which is what I was trying to do. Um, but there's also, you know, you could get a job at a studio. Like you, you can work your way in with people who have been in the industry and then, you know, learn through them or, um, you know, any sort of networking. And, and I've found this to be, uh, extremely true with Twitch. Like a huge part of my growth on Twitch has been the networking aspect. Like if I was just streaming and that's all I was doing, I don't think I would be nearly close to where I am now. But a big part of what I've done is I've interacted with communities. I've gotten to know other streamers. I've streamed with other streamers. And then, you know, it's kind of, it's this one big happy family of people that end up knowing you and you know them and, and then people support each other. And I think you can, you can do that. So I, I guess when I, when I think about advice, that is something that I would consider like whatever path you do, a form of networking, I think is, is important, whether it be for the development of your skills or the exposure needed to, you know, get a job or get a gig, you know, whatever that, that may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really networking in college. If you do it right, it can really help you get in the door to whatever it is that you specifically want to do. I didn't do particularly the best job if I'm going to be completely honest, just thinking about it. So I I do think that this advice is, it is helpful because in hindsight, there are some things I think I would have done differently or taken advantage of, like take advantage of what is at your school. Anything that you think you might be interested in, definitely do that if you're going to go down the college path because like you're paying a lot of money to go there and some of those opportunities are not going to be easy to come by once you leave for sure and you didn't you start working with people doing wedding like you didn't you didn't start as a freelancer right you started working with uh like people that were doing weddings you were part of their team yeah i mean i just was reaching out to like anybody who was making videos and was like do you need help shooting or editing? Here's an email. Like I just sent out a whole bunch of emails and just like started putting freelance stuff on my calendar. Um, and weddings was an area of that. And, um, yeah, I found out that I liked that because there was more, um, freedom to it than I, like, I, I guess initially would have thought there was to it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty fun. And, I get to go to people's weddings and like eat their food. That's really good <laughs> always. And like, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm curious too, cause I think this might be good for people who are, uh, interested in getting started, but sort of like Jess last week, there was reluctance to like, how do I even get started? You know, you said you, you sent emails to people. Did you have to have like a portfolio of stuff that you had already done? Like, did you send them something saying, Hey, this is what I'm capable of. Can I work with you? Or did you just say, Hey, I do this. I'm willing to help if you need it. Like, how did that go? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it was a mix of that. Um, I feel I probably sent out some emails that was just like, Hey, do you need help? Sometimes I attached videos and was like, Hey, I did this or, um, I think I had a little very simple website back then that just had a little collection of stuff on it um, that I also sent. Um, so yeah, depending on what it was, because sometimes it was like, hey, like we just like have a bunch of footage, like we need like someone to edit this. And then the other, a different company would be like, hey, we have a client that wants us to shoot a soccer game. We need someone to go out and film it, you know, like, so yeah. it was just kind of different, whatever 
they were looking for. I was kind of, I wanted to kind of do a little bit of everything um, that I could that revolved around that. Um, right. One time I was like coiling cable for like a volleyball game or something. Like I, I wasn't the camera person, but I was like coiling cable. So like, I'm um, just like whatever came up. Um, but yeah, sometimes I had to provide, like you said, the portfolio or a little bit of work or they would ask questions or, or they'd want to meet me beforehand or like, a little in-person meeting or something like that so, so um yeah uh that was a little tough for me um because well I think networking is kind of difficult for me in general and that's why I was smiling earlier when you were Stephen were like oh networking <laughs> like maybe I don't know what you said so I was smiling because like I I feel the same way about that so yeah <laughs> yeah and like to to the point, I, I think if someone who's listening to this, because I know this is what I immediately started thinking when you said, oh, you're sending out these emails. So I I know this already because I've talked to you before, but for people who haven't listened um, to, to you go into this, like you have a YouTube channel, you've got a lot of the videos. And what I didn't know was that a couple of those videos that you made that were viral videos were actually from a class that you took when you were in school. So one, can you just walk us through that experience and, and how, how it all uh, transpired? And did you actually use those videos when you sent out the emails to be like, look, I know how to make viral videos. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I feel like that would definitely be really valuable. <laughs> look at all the views on this video. No. <laughs> um. No, I did not send those at any point to anyone <laughs> ever. No, I haven't done that yet. Um, maybe it'll be the right people to send those to at some point where, I don't know, it would make sense to, but no, I haven't <laughs> to anybody yet. Um, and then, okay, so you asked about uh, like how did the class work with the yeah, just just walk us through how you 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 take classes and how it ends up turning into something so big. Yeah. Okay. So, um I took uh towards the end of my um college journey, I took um an independent study where um basically like I could make up the curriculum and get it approved by the teacher and like work with the teacher on this project that like yeah, and he would, like, help me through the project type thing. So um, I took that class, and uh, it was just at a time where there were all these YouTubers that I was watching, and I was like, oh, these people are cool. Like, I want to make videos like these. Like, you know, I was watching Jenna Marbles all the time. Like, she's she was great. And then um, there was people that were just making all sorts of strange parodies, some just little skits, just memes and just I don't, I don't know just all kinds of stuff i just really liked the era of youtube was really interesting um when i was in college and i just wanted to um make videos also and um for some reason uh a music video parody it just had um a lot of different aspects that i thought i could do and put together to make this like weird project like even the music which is not like video related like I made and recorded the music in that song um and that was just something that I thought I could throw in there that would make it even cooler and I don't know like there was just like I was like I can do all these things and I think I can make this video like this one that I saw on YouTube like these people are doing it like I'm gonna try and 
Yeah. So um, I did the independent study and I made the three music videos and the two of them were the viral Taylor, Taylor Swift ones. And the other one is the Miley Cyrus Wrecking Ball one. Um, that one's doing okay. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was just, I just made the videos and I, I showed the teacher and he laughed and he's like, oh, can't wait for the next one. I'm just like, okay. Like, you know, so it was pretty simple and straightforward. I just like made the videos and I don't know, I think I got it A or however grading worked. I don't know. <laughs> so, what a nice yeah. way to like get your YouTube off the ground too. It's like, I know. <laughs> it wasn't like you were trying to be a YouTuber and you were like making video after video, doing like weekly uploads. You were in a class, you made a video for a project and then it happened to have this unbelievable response on YouTube. That's That was probably pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and that teacher was interesting too like there's a couple things about him like one <laughs> was that um he told me for the class that there were going to be these books that i was going to say that i was going to read but he's like but you're not going to read them you just have to say <laughs> oh, the paperwork <laughs> that you're going to read these and he's like and you also have to like do this and this and it was funny but he's like you literally don't have to do any of this stuff just go yeah he like trusted me or something like i felt yeah. like trust but like just go and use the equipment and that was nice the other really weird thing about him and this is just completely random and different is that um i was watching this ufo documentary on i don't know hulu or netflix i don't know something and he appeared on one of the episodes of this <laughs> ufo documentary. that's amazing <laughs> i saw this thing one time and i don't remember everything he said but i was like oh my god and my friend who knew who he was because she played Taylor Swift in the videos and she came with me sometimes to show him the videos. We would all watch them together. I, so I was like, you need to come here and see, see who's on this TV right now because she wasn't, she wasn't watching the TV, but she was in the same place. And she came and looked and I was like, do you know who that is? And she was like, oh my God, like what is he doing? It was the strangest thing. Anyways, that was crazy tangent, yeah. That's an awesome that moment. Awesome. That's oh my so. God. What do you yeah. think? Do you think you saw an alien? <laughs> Maybe. Do you believe him? Maybe he saw something. I'm yeah. I'm probably gonna have to go back and rewatch to see what he said. But <laughs> have either of you ever seen an alien? Before? Oh, here we go. <laughs> Any chance alien, Steven UFOs. can get to bring aliens into this? He's gonna try. You freaking set I'll us I'll find it path. and I'll send it to you, and I'll be like, "This was my teacher." Just wait. <laughs> I'll That's go back good. and find it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Easy, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're just not going to go into UFOs. It's fine. No, we're, we're I saw a UFO once. UFOs, it was really cool. Dude. I get it. That was you my plug. See, you saw a blinking light. I saw a UFO once. You it was a green light. light. It flew at un, unreasonable speeds through the sky. I get it. I just need to make sure I, I had an agenda in here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, well, that was in Ohio, wasn't it? Yeah, I showed you the spot. You, he showed me the spot <laughs> where he was standing when he looked up in the sky and saw the UFO. That's what I'm saying. I didn't get to be on a documentary about it, but it, it did happen. <laughs> so uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about with you is prioritizing all the different projects that you've been a part of because... That is something that Brandon and I have talked about in already like several podcast episodes, which is balancing our nine to fives with content creation. You have multiple additional variables in this because your nine to five is 
in a way, also content creation. So you've got content creation pretty much at all hours of the day, potentially, but you have to figure out how to balance it all. So walk us through a week or a month, knowing that it changes all the time, but how exactly do you determine how to prioritize things? Um, when it's busy, it's kind of tough. Um, I basically, I have with my weddings, I have, um, a return time so I can kind of pre map those out on the calendar and see um, when those need to be done. Um, with other stuff, like, um, I mean, with my own YouTube projects, the time for that comes just when I have time or resources or just like when I can. Um, so there's not necessarily like always mandatory time like that's actually something I really admire about you is that like both of you you're like constantly putting out content and you constantly like you just are way more consistent than me like I'm just you know like I'll disappear for a while and then I'll be like hey I made this weird video you know so like that's something that's really cool that like both of you do um but yeah um time for that just comes when it can I guess um yeah and everything else like I, I try to map it out in advance and kind of count backwards and like work my way backwards and use a calendar. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's hard because things don't go as planned and I have to like shift things around. And I mean, time management is definitely tricky. Um, especially when it's like you, I don't know, you have all your time, but you have to pick what time to do this and it has to be the enough time to get it all done. And I don't know. It's <laughs> Yeah. It's interesting. Um, so when it's busy, it's tough. Um, other times it's like my schedule's often uneven. Um, other times it's like, oh, it's dead. And like, I don't really have much going on. And hey, maybe I want to work on a fun project or a YouTube project because I have time. Usually like later in the winter is like a more dead time for me or like I have more availability to do that. So my calendar is just very like roller coaster up and down sometimes um next year is looking a little bit more even for me though so i mean that's good at least but um yeah it just depends and it's just i don't know moving things around and balancing it and ah <laughs> yeah well i'm i'm really curious because one thing that you know i feel a lot is I mean, my nine to five isn't content creation. It's a corporate job. So I'm, I'm constantly feeling this desire to put more into my content. Like I want to do it all the time. And I'm curious for you where there might be a distinction because you're again, you know, Steven's your nine to five are projects like camp Wanakiki or something where, you know, it seems like you have a lot of fun with that. And I wonder if there's ever part of you that is like, I wish I had more time to put into my YouTube or do you feel pretty fulfilled with projects like that already? Okay. I've been thinking about this recently and actually I was talking, <clears throat> my uncle was talking to me about an idea that he had. He thinks that I should, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he thinks that I should, um, hire somebody to do the work that I don't have as much fun doing so I can dedicate time to the things I want to do more and so I can start doing fun stuff because ultimately like when I think about like every like all the different things I do ultimately I think 
what I would want to do is just have a YouTube channel that I could upload videos to and just go off of that. Like, that would be cool. Like, that would be, like, the ultimate, like, <laughs> that could happen. Like, that would be great. But in order to, for that to happen, you know, I need to start taking steps towards that direction. And, like, I wanted to start doing that now. He was basically like, yeah, you need to just, like, hire somebody else um, to do, like, the stuff that, you know, you can pass off to them. Um, he gave me some advice about that. He's a businessman. Um, he's, yeah. yeah. So he, <laughs> um, gave me this advice and, uh, yeah, it was just a new way of thinking. I hadn't really thought, I mean, I've thought lightly about like, oh, I could like hire somebody else and like build a company. And I've, I've worked for other like wedding videographers or other videographers that I've seen like do that type of thing. Um, I do kind of like, like working for myself and just that being me um so there is that but yeah that's something that like he like recommended like if I want to do that and move in that direction to I don't know yeah. off the work or I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah so we talked about that a lot I mean yeah you, you've talked about I mean I've kind of encouraged you possibly doing uh, some of that stuff, but I know that you're kind of, I mean, you're like me, you're control freak a little bit with your stuff. So, I mean, how do you feel about that idea even? Well, I, I get it. We, Brandon, I, Brandon and I have had so many conversations lately about the business side of all of this content thing, because if you, if you want to be successful with it and you want to do it full time, you would obviously need to find a way to be able to make a substantial amount of money from it so that you don't have to worry so much and that's why at some point it would be good to get to the point where you can pass off some of the task and just in the perfect world, I would just write up the script and be in front of the camera and then pass off to someone else who would do the editing and, and posting it and do the social media part. And then that's just what I would do. Cause that's what I like doing the most. But I know in terms of how things are right now, I can't do it that way. So I, my, when I prioritize things, I have to do it off of the assumption that I am doing every single part of it, which means that sometimes I have to cut corners on things because if I don't, I'm not going to be able to put out enough content or content at all. It's not going to be quite to the level that I want, which brings me actually to a question for you, Bailey. So when when you're prioritizing this type of stuff knowing that there are certain things that you enjoy doing the most how much does the financial side of things play into your prioritization and do you ever find yourself feeling compromised and if so how do you deal with that as far as um like as far as making the my the projects that i would prefer to make like on my youtube channel mm-hmm my yeah. budget for that. Um, I mean, it's more, I feel like for me, it's more of like a time thing than a, a budget thing. Because, I mean, so Cutthroat Kitchen's not a good example because I spent too much money on that. But like, I, there's a lot of videos <laughs> I make where I don't need that much money. I don't need to spend that much money, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, there's definitely like videos I could be making right now. I just, because, yeah, basically because you said the the work that pays has occupied my time. Like it's mostly a time thing, but it's like, I also, that work is also, you know, making me the money that I need to like, you know, be a person. So like, it's, it's all that. So um, yeah, mostly just comes down to time and then the work 
occupying that time, the the work that pays the bills, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The reason why I even like bring this up is uh, for people who are are listening and who maybe want to be a full-time videographer and, and that's their dream. Like th- this is the the complicated part about it. It's like Brandon and I have nine to five, like more corporate jobs. And then we do this content stuff. It's basically like, no matter what you do, there's always, there's always a bit of compromise in it along the way. Like you're not, you're not gonna be able to do exactly what you want immediately. There's always going to be like some level of, of paying your dues while you, you work through this type of stuff. So you might have to take, as you said, maybe weddings isn't the, the highest priority in terms of what you, you enjoy doing the most, but because it brings you the money to be able to, to, to pay for the other things that you do and enjoy doing and, and that need to be a part of your life, you kind of run into this, this type of a situation. Yeah. And I mean, like, unless you start when you're a kid and living in your, you know, parents' basement or whatever, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's kind of the reality of the situation. Like you have to live, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like you said, <laughs> Bailey, like you got to do the projects that give you the money to live. So it's, it can be difficult to, um, it, I mean, it's really tough for me philosophically. Cause I'm just like, it, I, for me, I get into this place where I get really stubborn and I'm like, I got one life. I should just be able to do you know, to a certain extent, what I want to do with my life, why do I have to do all this other shit for other people and, you know, be a part of this capitalistic, you know what, I'm going to get on this. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. But uh, to a certain extent, that is how I feel. I'm just like, why why can't I just do the things that I want to do sometimes? But those are some of the compromises I guess you have to make until, you know, um, you get into a place where you uh, are sustaining a life with your projects that you can do whatever you want to do. And I mean, even then, like I, I think about that a little bit with, you know, cause I do think ahead with, with Twitch, for instance, let's say there's a future where I were to become a Twitch partner or something. Technically Twitch is my boss then, you yeah. know what I mean? And then also if I like partner with a video game company, like that company has chosen me to promote their game. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of my boss too. So there's, there's always like, I'm thinking ahead of this stuff and I'm thinking like, how much am I ever really going to be able to work for myself and my brand and how much of me is going to have to be okay with some of those compromises along the way. And that's, that's one of the things I have to kind of face a little bit is not being so stubborn. Like I'm not going to be able to get everything exactly the way that I want it in life. And, uh, it's, it can be a tough pill to swallow, but I think at the end of the day, if you really care about this stuff, I I encourage, you know, continue to push through that. And, and the prioritizing in general is just important. Like you gotta be able to live, you know, pay the bills and, and, uh, keep pushing. Yeah, exactly. There's always going to be a level of compromise and all this stuff. Okay, I, I have another thing that uh, I want to talk about, and it's something that is a lot different between me and Brandon and you, Bailey, is that me and Brandon, we're always the on-camera people. Brandon's always he spends hours in front of the camera. On Twitch, I 
I've never put out a video that I'm not in as far as I know. I think I'm always in every video that I've ever done. Even when I wasn't supposed to be in college, I still put myself in my in the videos I wasn't supposed to. Because I just like, I, I, I enjoy that part of it. So from your perspective, you have like 78,000 YouTube subscribers, but yet you're rarely, you're in, I think, all your videos at some point, but you're rarely like the specific star of your videos. So my question to you is, how did that come to be? How did you end up becoming the behind the scenes person? I'm scared of being in front of the camera, but I like making videos. <laughs> <laughs> it's really scary. <laughs> Dang. I didn't realize yeah. it was, that you felt that. I mean, you are yeah. so clever and creative, especially with the scripts that you write. I, I even wonder too, for you is like, do you, does any part of you want to be in front of the camera so you can capture the things that you write? Not really. <laughs> That's that's such an awesome. I mean, the small little cameos are fun. Like I like that, or like the small little things that are okay. But eh, like the only time that like I played a more like major part in a video was I was in my cheapest weddings video, and that mm. was just because like I was like I don't know who else is gonna play this. Like I guess I'll do it. Like whatever. Like can you guys press record? Okay. Like am I in the frame? Okay, great. Uh, like so I just. I wouldn't have even preferred that if I didn't have to. So yeah, yeah, it's just not my preference. Um, but I li- and I just, I guess, I enjoy seeing what it looks like from behind the camera and the product or what the product is going to possibly look like. Um, yeah. Do you feel like you have to let go of some of that control when you have actors or performers being the ones to bring something like your script to life? Because that's just one thing I struggle with is like when I create something, it feels so personal to me that like I want to like people used to suggest to me when I was pursuing music to write songs for other people. And I was like, fuck no. If I'm going to write a song, it's going to be personal and I, I need to be the one to sing it. And I, it's, it's just such a foreign concept to me to think like you write this, like for instance, cutthroat kitchen, you wrote this entire script how is that easy for you to let go of the control and just let other people perform it for you? Well, all parodies, like, yeah, there's a script, but like once we all get there on the shoot day, that's when it turns into its own little thing. And you're like, okay, this is what this parody is going to be about this time, you know? So it's like, once you can finally like see it all, like you can gather everything and be like, oh, I think it's going to be like this. Um, but yeah, once it's all together, it's like, okay, yeah, I see how this is going to go. Um, so yeah, every parody has like its own little thing about it. And mm-hmm. it's just the culmination of that. And um, like, I've never been worried, like, like, because my video ideas, they're weird. Like, they're weird ideas. So like, they can't really go bad. And even if they do go bad, like, is it that bad? Because it was weird in the first place, right. you know? So it's like, there is like, I mean, I do want them to be funny. So like, there is sometimes a pressure for that, but, um, I don't know, just grab all, you know, do get all the elements and you gather up the people and the actors and you put on the outfits and you just, you film it and you edit it and you just see what it looks like and you laugh at it and it's great. And yeah, (laughs) that's how how they go usually. (laughs) How do you get past like the, when we did cutthroat kitchen as an example you write up all these lines and then all of a sudden 
we're, we're reading them and you're like, oh, this is not all what I thought this is going to be like. How do you how do you just let go and say, no, this is this is just what it is? I don't really feel like there were moments like that, though. Like it was basically as it was happening. I was like, yeah, like this is great. Like this is this is perfect. Um, if there was ever like a time where I was trying to shoot something and I felt like I didn't work out, like most of the time I felt like it's because. Um, I'm not always good with my words and explaining things. So like, I wish I was better at directing. So sometimes like if maybe something wasn't translating, like I've mostly felt like that was on me and not the like lines or how you guys were delivering them. You were delivering the lines that I wrote and you were acting like characters. Like, you know, I thought it was great. Like I thought all of you did a great job. Um, so yeah, if anything, like of it not translating would probably be like, I wish I could direct and describe things better and then sometimes, you know, when you're on a time crunch, you don't always get that opportunity to explain things further. And like, we were definitely on a time crunch because that was a very ambitious shoot. I thought it was going to take a shorter amount of time. Like it took at least a few more hours than like, you know, I was originally like, you know, we, we were originally scheduled for. So yeah, um, sometimes there's not time for everything to, to explain everything. And yeah. yeah. Well, I wonder too, cause you've talked, you talked in the beginning of the episode about the the potential future where you might do like horror projects so something i mean you said with comedic elements but do you think it'd be a different experience for you if you were to take on something that might be a little more quote-unquote serious where you would maybe be more calculated about the actors you pick or do you think that would be a, a different undertaking as far as your vision coming to life through these other people um, I would take on or I would I would definitely try to pursue like a more serious project at some point, I think. Um, but I just I don't know. I guess I just don't feel myself succeeding in I don't know the more serious type of thing. Um yeah. or genre. Um maybe for like the cinematography aspect, because like cinematic shots are always like, wow, like I just I'm always, you know, excited by those when I'm watching literally anything. I'll be like, Did you see that shot? Like that was cool. Um, so maybe like if it was um a project that was very like creative cinematically, like that could be like a good mesh. But like I'm also not gonna be picky. Like if something like big comes my way, I'm gonna be like, Oh yeah, like I'll definitely hop on that, you know. Um, so I would I don't know be open to anything that could possibly be like that but yeah yeah I don't know I guess I feel like I have a like a a niche or so like I don't know right an area where I'm comfortable in um but you know there's always you could say there's always benefit for pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and trying new things yeah I could definitely try a different area or genre category and um be like oh like that's new and interesting that kind of works kind of like how i was with weddings like i wasn't very like pro weddings when i first kind of heard about that and learned about that but then i started doing it and became more pro wedding you know so like um yeah i i guess you know i try stuff (laughs) that's a good thing (laughs) so are you making a statement here today live on the podcast that you're against the institution of marriage (laughs) (laughs) what I mean, maybe I feel some sort of way, but I don't know if I'm necessarily against it. <laughs> I just fucking with I've been to a lot of. It's more so feelings about weddings than marriage because I've been to a lot of weddings. I haven't experienced a lot of marriages. So they're different. So, <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to 
creating content, my obsession has always been watching people in front of the camera. I've always like paid a, a bunch of attention to the, the mannerisms, to how often you should smile. I, I'm, I'm pretty much obsessed with, I watch my own videos all the time and just try to pick up on all these little nuances. Knowing that I've I've watched a lot of your YouTube videos, so I know that you're a, a very good video editor and you've got a very good eye for different shots and different angles. Do you have some inspirations that that have gotten you that that you feel that have made you better at what you do? How do you get better at being a video editor and videographer? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely inspiration in, like, lots of things I watch. Um, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, like, I could um, be watching a show, and almost any show, and um, any good show. <laughs> I'd be like, whoa, that's a cool shot. But um, definitely, like, nature documentaries um, are good inspiration because there's, like, there's, there's shots you – sometimes you just look at them or at least I look at them. I'm like, I just don't understand how they got this shot. And like, I'll try to figure it out. And like, there's, you know, maybe several different ways that they could have gotten this shot. And like, it's like, Oh, like they just did like a time-lapse for three days, but like the light didn't move. How did they do that? Like, and also it was on a slider. Like what? Like that sounds really complicated. So it's, I don't know. I just kind of can question shots when I see them, um, get inspired by them. Um, shows like Breaking Bad. I mean, that just has a lot of cool cinematography, but that's just one example of many um, shows that have amazing cinematography. Um, yeah, inspiration, uh, definitely a good thing, but, uh, de you know, making it your own too. Right. Um, and yeah, taking taking from inspiration. <laughs> Do you think, because I don't know how this translates, because I feel like one thing that we've gone through a lot is understanding ourselves as creators and establishing an identity. So when you talk about making something yourself, you know, I'm not very experienced on the, the cinematography, even video editing. I, I'm, I know very, a, a very minimal amount. Like how do you, is that something that you think is important as part of that is establishing your own identity as a cinematographer, as a videographer? Like, do you feel like you've figured that out? Or are you still learning that? Um, I would say it depends on what you're trying to do um, because for my weddings, my, I don't think my name is necessarily important, but my like Instagram account and my Facebook that I post my weddings onto is so like social media is important for that. Am I interested in like, you know, growing my name and having everybody know that wedding name? Not, not really. Um, but then, yeah, it's just, it's kind of different for things with Bailey makes videos, my YouTube channel, um, I mean, I guess it would be cool if people knew that name. I don't know. It's just kind of like a fun YouTube channel name. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'm necessarily will ever be like relevant where people will like care about my name like that on YouTube, but, um, yeah, it'll be, I mean, it'll exist on YouTube, but it'll be there. Um, and then in general, like your personal name, like, you know, yeah, like if you're working in the industry, you know, you maybe you want to be like a well-known gaffer or well-known grip or, um, yeah, you're a cinematographer, you know, you do this or that. Um, and then you can, people know you by your name and your projects and your credibility. So, yeah, growing your name 
by your work that you do, maybe even with the website. Like, I don't know if I did like baileyoneal.com and it was just like my work in like the industry or something like that. Um, yeah, it just, it really depends on what direction you want to go in and right. what you want your presence to be and what will, what will work, like what's worth it basically to yeah. put time into. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Um, Steven, for you, I, I am curious, just you've talked, I mean, we've worked with Bailey on different things and stuff, but one of the things that you've had a, a big desire to do is kind of get better with the videography and editing portion. But I also wonder, cause we talked a little bit to Bailey about this, but we did things like guy gets things or super millennial show where it was a lot more of you doing a project with other people. Mm-hmm. And again, back to like the controlling part of your own identity on YouTube. How was that experience for you in terms of letting go of some of that control? Like, did you, with Guy Gets Things, for instance, did you feel like what you envisioned that skit to be was captured at the end of the day? So if we're looking at just Guy Gets Things, I thought we did a really good job, actually. I think like, in terms of the types of videos I've ever done, like that basically pushed me to my my limits as to what I think I'm capable of today because like I actually think it's a solid skit and it, it didn't drag or anything too much. And I actually thought it was, I think it's funny. Mm-hmm. I don't know if other people think it's funny, but I thought it was, it was fun. Things like that. Here's the thing that I do not like is I am so extroverted that the idea of me making all of my videos by myself is a little bland sometimes so I totally embrace working with people. I loved working in the Cutthroat Kitchen parody. I loved being on a set. Like in college, I loved being on sets and just being able to, to talk and meet pe- with people and be creative together. So I love the social component a lot. In terms of just letting things go, I mean, not having control over it, I hate that. <laughs> like I, I, I really hate that component of it. I know if I wrote something and I had a bunch of people act it out. If I, if it, if it didn't fit what I was looking for, I know I'd have a really tough time just sitting there and just being okay with it. I probably would have a tough time even like keeping my mouth shut. I'd probably be like, well, what if you just did it completely different than that? <laughs> what if you just took everything that you did and forgot all of it and did something else? <laughs> Steven, do you want to direct my videos? <laughs> Yeah, so basically we brought you here today because Steven's been wanting to direct your videos. He thinks that you've been doing it all wrong and he can do it. <laughs> no, no, it's not, it's, it's uh, not exactly that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, that part is that part is difficult. And whenever it comes to content creation, having to spend time doing the parts that you're not as good at, I, my general thought is you got to figure out what you're best at and what you like doing find the merge of those two things and then worry less about the other parts. Like you can't give a hundred percent to every part of it. You can't be the best videographer, the best person in front of the, I mean, maybe you could, but it'd be really difficult. Just pick a couple things and just own those and become super good at those. And then steadily build upon the other parts over time. It's kind of been my, my strategy. Well, and I also hear when I like listen to Bailey talk about the, the director perspective, I, it's probably tough to approach everything as the performer. Like if you are are used to being the performer of something and you approach directing something as a performer, you probably are going to have a harder time number one 
letting go of the control because you think you could perform it better or number two communicating hey this is what i would like to see or could we try it a little differently in a manner that is productive so i think that you know one thing i'll even say bailey is like that was one of my favorite parts about doing cutthroat kitchen with you is i feel like you know you really allowed the space for me per, you know i'll speak for me personally as an actor to like take on the character of who, what was i who was i like prison uh prisoner yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like you know i had an idea for like kind of looking crazy the whole time and and like talking like a little deeper and stuff you know i and you kind of just let me take that bring life to that which yeah, it was great it was hilarious like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you but yeah i mean like i think that that could be a distinction is like you have to i mean i i've heard that there are directors like quentin tarantino he writes a script and if you don't do exactly the way that he wants you to do it he's like what the fuck are you doing do my script the way I said. So I'm sure that there are directors that are a little more stern with that, but I even, I appreciated the freedom to bring life to a character that you wrote. And I think that maybe that's, that's where I'm a hypocrite. Cause I loved that too. Yeah. I actually would probably hate if I was directing. Me. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably why I'm not a director. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. True. But maybe that, I mean, maybe that's how you improve upon it is like, you don't go into, if, if you write something for, and that other people are going to perform, maybe you just got to change your perspective on like, and same with me. Like if I write music for a band, as opposed to just writing music for myself, I have to step off a little bit and let like the drummer bring his style to my music a little bit. Cause if I'm going to be so controlling, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to get the best out of these other musicians who all have their own identity. Yeah. Hell yeah. I think since we're talking about directors, we're kind of talking about movies already. Oh, shit. And we don't have any... I, I really do kind of wish that we had just like some crazy drop when it was like, movie critics must go. We, I think we talked about this at some point in time. But I think it's time for movie critics must go. Are you ready for the world famous movie critics <laughs> must go? Yes. Do you... Okay, honestly though, do you know what this game is? No. Oh my fucking gosh. You're off the podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bailey's a poser. She doesn't even actually know how the game works. Um, okay, so basically for you and for our listeners, Movie Critics Must Go is a um is a game that we play where we read the synopsis of a movie and from the synopsis alone you have to guess the Rotten Tomatoes critic score. And whoever okay. is closest wins the round. All right. So let me get this. And up. so far, the guests have not been that good, right? Haven't we they, won? I don't think they've. Not only have we won, <laughs> I don't think they've gotten one right yet. <laughs> Is Rotten Tomatoes like the Holy Grail rating scale, uh, or like, or what's what's up with them? I would say that they're like one of the more respected because they just take the cumulative critic scores from off of a bunch of different platforms and then give like. In aggregate. Okay. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay, that makes sense. All yeah. right, cool. Yeah, and I mean, the, it's just a place that we go to get the. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's not really like a lot of science behind this. We <laughs> yeah. pretty much are just 
said, let's, let's try to guess the percentages on these movies based off of very little information. <laughs> so we'll do three movies. To be honest, I don't have a fourth. So if we have to do a fourth for a tiebreaker, I might have to look one up really quick. Um, okay, so our first movie, it's called Dead Mountaineers Hotel. Have you heard of this one, Bailey? Okay, good. <laughs> we don't want any um, advantages here. All right, so it's a very short synopsis. An avalanche in the Alps cuts a hotel off from the rest of the world, and odd things happen. That's it. <laughs> okay, what was the year on that again? Uh, I didn't have the year on that one. Perfect. It's going to make it extra hard. <laughs> God. I've actually started to get rid of the year, I think, a, a little bit intentionally so that you don't have an extra advantage. <laughs> Not you personally, but any of us have an extra advantage of... So, Bailey, do you want to go first? Let's have the guest go first. What do you think the Rotten Tomatoes critic score is? Now, think think in the mind of a critic based on the synopsis. <laughs> um, a 46. All right. What's your logic? Because <laughs> um, it sounds like one of those movies that would be bad but like funny bad like maybe like a sharknado type vibe um maybe not maybe i'm just laughing at a synopsis that's not even funny i don't know sometimes i laugh at stuff that's not funny so um but yeah that's my reasoning all right steven so for me this is a movie that involves you did see ufo once i did see ufo once so i'm Take that into consideration. This is my perspective as somebody who has experienced a UFO. <laughs> this movie is about a great amount of trauma that these people uh, experienced in, in a, a house that's a hotel. Ho- not, not a house that's a hotel. A house that is a hotel, yes. <laughs> a, a ho- but, it, but it becomes their house yeah, because it's like they're a home. stuck there. Like home is where the heart is. Yeah, so they're stuck there. So it becomes their home, essentially. And when, when it's... It's cut off. I think that after a while, they start to lose their mind. Right. Some madness starts to break in. Because of the and, UFOs. And I think that the madness is also a parallel feeling that the viewer experiences when they're watching it. Because it can feel maddening at times when there's so much stuff just thrown at you in so many different directions. It's kind of a tough movie to follow. And even though there are some some scenes that really hit hard, I think that the, that the, the, the critics... We're not a fan that the audience liked it a little bit more. And the critics actually gave it even a lower percentage than Bailey's is saying. I, I think this is a very poor movie. I think it's a 33%. Not an all-time bad movie because it's got a little bit of the bad, so bad, it's almost good. It's amusing. It's entertaining. It's chaotic. 33%. Oh, you guys both have very interesting takes, but unfortunately, they're the wrong takes. Um, what I've learned in the trend of movie critics must go is every movie is 92%. And so this one is 92%. So let's take a look. Oh shit. There isn't a critic score on this, but do we resort to the audience score? That's the tiebreaker. That's the tiebreaker. Okay. Audience score 25%. (laughs) Boom. Fewer than 50 ratings. Let's take a look. How many are there's like four? I only see two ratings. Perfect. That means that one person half liked it and and the other person hated it. 
<laughs> it goes 25%. What'd you say, Amelia? It's decided. All right, Stephen. People decided everything for us. Everything <laughs> must go. Everything must go, dude. Oh, gosh. That didn't go movie well. critics must go and not rate that movie, apparently. <laughs> All right, here's the next one. This one I have a year for. It's 1985. All right, this is the 80s, okay? This one's called To Live and Die in L.A. When his longtime partner on the force is killed, reckless U.S. Secret Service agent Richard Chance, played by William Peterson, vows revenge, setting out to nab dangerous counterfeit artist Eric Masters, played by Willem Dafoe, along with his new straight-laced partner John Vukovic, played by uh, John Pankow. Uh, Chance sets up a scheme to entrap Masters, resulting in the accidental death of an undercover officer. As Chance's desire for justice becomes an obsession, Vukovic questions the lawless methods he employs. I'm going to go first on this one. All right, this time I actually think this movie is really good. I think this last time I was just guessing off of trends, and I think I really hurt myself, but this time here in this movie, it sounds... Really, good. anytime you get vengeance, I mean, look at Batman. People love Batman. It's vengeance, right? I think anytime you get vengeance in a movie, it's it's a formula for greatness. So I'm going to give this one a 95. percent I think this one did what, really well. What an optimist! No, that 95 percent is definitely too high. It's an 80s movie. It's got some officers in it, some revenge. It's got kind of a dark theme going on. I think the world was with a, a time with a lot of goofy comedy is I think they were kind of liking this movie because it was a little different than maybe what they were seeing. Uh, thrash metal was really big in the mid eighties. A lot of the influence there was, uh, some dark satanic matters. So, um, probably 66%. 66. And you Bailey, what do you think this movie got? A six. <laughs> A six percent. Yeah, it doesn't sound like something I'd want to see, so I think it's a six. Oh, so you think everybody's opinions are your opinions? You are something else. I knew it all along. This is just Bailey's world. We're this just is, living in it. Yeah, this is arrogance <laughs> at its finest. You want to be the star, don't you? All along, I knew it. <laughs> all right, we got a wide range here, all the way from six to ninety-five percent. Holy crap! I'm feeling pretty good about my choice. Are you? Me too. Yeah. I think you, so. You are, Bailey? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, folks, 85%. I take the cake on this one. I knew it was going to be a big one. Wow. I knew it was going to be a 85% big one. in 1985. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. I think not. Interesting. He didn't put the movie year for the previous one. Hmm. Interesting. It's conspiracy. Conspiracy. All right. Last one. So you could either tie it and make me have to find another one. <laughs> I'm guessing that's not going to happen based on your 6% guess. <laughs> um, or one of us is going to end up the victor. I feel like Bailey's the kind of person when you're like, dude, guess how much money this guy just spent on this house. And she'd be like, I don't know, $19 billion. <laughs> like she'd be the one to like just completely throw out the most ludicrous number be like well no he spent a million dollars but 19 billion that's not a good guess <laughs> all right this one's called born in 45 a mechanic roams the streets on a perpetual vacation after getting a divorce from a nurse and moving into his mother's apartment that's it <laughs> 
Okay. Well, so born in 45, right? So we're 45 is uh, still considered the boomer generation, I believe. I think the silent generation comes in sometime, I think, in the early 40s. We're on the cusp there. It's also the last year of World War II. If anyone knows anything, anything that's associated to World War II is always perceived as uh, on uh, 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 as like a, a greater, more important thing. So I'm going to say that this is probably a really highly rated movie based on that. And I'm going to say that this movie is 98%. Wow. That I, think, high, I, think, huh? I think it's a really good movie, yeah. I think it's Interesting. borderline iconic. Bailey, what's your guess? Um, a seven. <laughs> Are you just... <laughs> you just don't like this game, huh? <laughs> These movies sound terrible. I mean, this movie sounds bad, but not as bad as the last one. So give it a seven. So, yeah, I mean, think about it. The last one was a six. This one seems better. It's a seven. That's logical, at least. If you said it was a five, then we'd be like, no, that, that logic doesn't make a lot of sense. The logic is there. Makes sense to me. I don't know. Logic is there. So you got a big range. So we've got between five and 98%. So I can either go 8% <laughs> to get Bailey out of here. I go ninety seven percent to get you out, <laughs> but you'll do the right thing and not guess either of those two numbers. You're right. I'll guess the ninety six percent. This guy cheats the system. I literally hope it's like a ten percent, just because this. <laughs> and then Bailey wins. All right, you ready? I hope it's hmm. like nine ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety eight. There isn't. There's an audience. There's no audience score or critic score. Should I go to IMDb, see if it's on there? It's at zero, and I win. Wait. <laughs> go to IMDb. I went so default. We're going to use a different scoring system altogether. That doesn't have a score. Hold on. In Wait, we'll, we'll put an Instagram poll, and we'll see what they say. All right, Born in 45 on IMDb has a we'll 6.5 out of 10. I think that's Bailey said it was what? No, that's a sixty-five. Yeah, but six point five rounds up to seven. Bailey said seven. Yeah, she was going out of a hundred. She she didn't need to specify that. If we're, I feel like if we're literally going all the way over to IMDb, all the rules. What do you have mean been literally going here. all the way over? Like this is such this it, huge stretch. It, We've it, changed. This is how this is how he competes. Okay, <laughs> he was fine changing the rules to audience score when it when it. Got him the score. But now that we have another rating, because we didn't get the rating on this site, it's like, no, I don't think it works. All right, it works. That's a 65%. I won. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, let us know Let us know in the comments or send us an email at EMGpod if you think that Brandon is right or Wait, if you know that he's wrong. Send us an email at EMGpod. We're just doing handles for emails now. That's how this yeah. works. Email me too if you think I'm right. Because I am. <laughs> Email her at Bailey. <laughs> on my side to fix those ratings. <laughs> you didn't even see the movies, all right? You're going off the synopsis and you're giving them shit. They sound terrible. Oh my gosh. We're going to watch every one of these movies together now. <laughs> every movie that's ever been on Movie Critics. I mean, let me go then. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to rate them our own percentages. Perfect. And use the Rotten Tomatoes percentages and not the IMDb out of 10. There wasn't a Rotten Tomatoes wrong. 
percentage, right? I was adapting to the situation. Sorry that you're so close-minded that you can't adapt to situation. <laughs> I'm the close-minded one of the podcast. I think we, we, we established this a long time ago. All right, Bailey. Thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything else that you wanted to... Uh, Anything else you wanted to to send us off with? What? Where can people find you? Um, you can find me on the internet. Uh, if you type in Bailey makes videos, you can probably find my YouTube channel and my Instagram, and that's basically everything you need to find me. Do you have a Twitter? I do, but it's kind of like a troll account. I don't really like socially post on it. So you got a burner like, account. Got it. No, it's my name and picture and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Trolling a little bit. But, yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I have TikTok, too. Bailey makes videos. Yep. So, a little bit of that going on. I I do want to do more of that, too. TikTok's pretty cool. I know Steven has feelings about TikTok, but, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of strong feelings about TikTok. <laughs> For another time, though. We don't need to talk about that today. Yeah, maybe we could have a, a debate, a TikTok debate or something. <laughs> that's the next I, I could i could i feel like i could debate the things that you hate about tiktok I don't know. <laughs> oh okay well maybe we'll have bailey back on the show. <laughs> i think it's great like it's not it's not vine like it's never going to be vine but it's cl- it's the closest thing we're going to get to vine so i i could debate it yeah i feel strongly for tiktok all right you heard it here first folks bailey loves tiktok I would give I would see I would give TikTok a six percent on Rotten <laughs> oh, okay. Tomatoes. Right. You know what? TikTok is not as bad as those movies. Okay. So, <laughs> so what would you give it on IMDb? Are you tra- are you is this a trap now? Let's see. Let's see what you do. Do I have to rate it on IMDb? Yeah. It doesn't even get a rating. It's a point it's a point two no point oh two two two. That's what it is. That's pretty close to 6%. Interesting. Point. <laughs> is it? Did I actually? <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> we'll talk about TikTok another day. Bailey, thank you for being on the show. For anyone who listened to the show, if you want to stay in touch with us, at EMGPod, that is our Twitter, that is our Instagram, and you can actually send us an email, uh, emgpod at gmail.com. You can try at emgpod, but it's it's going to say that it won't send. Yeah. Because that's not an email. It's not how it works. Anyway, we'll be back again soon. Thanks again, Bailey. And take it easy, everybody. You What? You don't get to do the outro and then say take it easy. You fuck. What? What do you mean? I You're supposed you you do the if you do the outro, you do all this stuff, and then I say take it easy, everybody. Or if I do the outro, then you end it with take it easy, everybody. Now everything's ruined. Okay, fine. Start the hey, episode hold on, hold on. over. Hold Bailey, on. what's it like doing videos? <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. I'm Brandon. Take it easy, everybody. What? Now we're doing impressions. All right, take it easy, everybody. <laughs>